it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he was beginning to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand. He took a hold of him and he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got back into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We sit at your feet. We long to hear you speak. So even as we come to your word, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. So we long for you to soften our hearts and open our minds and speak into our lives in ways that matter. And that you would lead us forward in faith. We might serve you well. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of those stories, it's really a shocking story of the supernatural. And if you've been in the church or grown up in the church or been around for a long time, the story is so familiar to you that it's so familiar to you. Familiarity breeds contempt at some respect. But if you were outside of the church and you were to hear this story, your, eye, your eyebrows would go up, your eyes would get wide, and you'd say, what? He did what? He walked on the water? Like, I've been around for quite a while now, and that's something that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. The laws of nature are pretty set. They're pretty firm. We test everything by those laws. Jesus is doing the impossible. It's impossible unless you believe that Jesus is who he said he is. So you almost have to start at the end of the passage where it says, and they worshipped him saying, truly this is the Son of God. Now if you start there, everything is possible. If He truly is the Son of God and worthy of our worship, the Creator, the One who made the laws of nature, can do whatever He wants. And so it's this great story where Jesus sends the disciples on. They've been this day of ministry and teaching and working with crowds of people. And in verse 22, we're told that Jesus sends the disciples ahead of them across the lake because he, he wants to dismiss the crowds, right? He wants to disperse uh, everyone. He needs a little downtime, right? I would call this Jesus wants to have a quiet time. He wants to have a time of personal worship and devotion. He goes up onto the mountain, dismisses the crowd, sends off his disciples, and he goes and gets alone with the Father. And he spends time with him in prayer and fellowship and renewing himself for life and ministry and to do the ministry that God has called him to. We're told that by the time Jesus is done praying, that the boat is quite a ways out. I think it's back there in verse 24 that the boat by this time is a long way out from the land. It's out in the middle of the lake. It's beaten by the waves and so it hasn't completed the journey. It's going against the headwind and And so Jesus, we're told in verse 25, comes striding across the water like God himself. Like the Lord of nature. Like the king of all the laws that were ever made concerning this planet. 
Jesus comes striding across the water, and there is this small group of disciples in the boat who glimpse Jesus coming at them, and there is this, they have this glimpse of power. It really is a startling sight. It is so, I mean, it's not just unusual for us. I said, I've been around a long time. I've never, this kind of thing just doesn't happen. They had been around a long time too, and that kind of thing didn't happen then either. This was a startling, this was an unbelievably, if you're out on Chickamauga late on Saturday afternoon and, and you look out and you see a guy walking across the water, you like slap yourself and you get your binoculars out and you look again, is this, they get this glimpse of something that scares them to death because this sort of thing doesn't happen. There's a power at work here that I don't understand. There's a power at work here that, that supersedes and overrules everything I think I know. The Son of God, who they learn to worship, strides to them on the water. He comes to them in power. And the first thing that he does, seeing their terror, and it literally says, doesn't it, in verse 26, the disciples are terrified. They think it's a ghost. They think it's, there's got to be some explanation. It's got to be supernatural in some respect, but they go to ghost. I don't really believe in ghosts. But there they go to superstition. What could this be? Who is this guy? It's not the first time they ask the question. It's not the last time they ask the question. Their entire walk with him over these years is figuring out and answering that question. Who is this man? Who speaks to the wind and waves and silences them and calms them? Who is this man who overrules the laws of nature and walks on water? Who is this guy? And Jesus consoles them. He says, relax, you guys. You don't need to be afraid. It's me. It's me. So there's this recognition. It's not Jesus' ghost. It's Jesus. It's the real Jesus. It's, It's our Jesus. Peter's thinking he's my Jesus. Because you see this little movement that I think is just fabulous between verse 27 and verse 28 where Jesus speaks to them and he tells them, don't be afraid. And then in verse 28, Peter answers him, you got to love Peter. right? We need a little more Peter in us, a little more impetuous faith, you know, a little more boldness. Peter says, okay, Lord, if it is you. See, that's all that it concerns Peter. If this is my Jesus... All right, then that changes everything. Lord, if it's you, all right, then I got a couple of questions. All right, I'm, I'm interested in some, some things. And so Peter establishes, okay, this is my Jesus. This is the Jesus I know. This is the Jesus I walk with. This is the Jesus I worship, I, I, um, minister with, and walk with, and fellowship with, and talk with. He is, he is my rabbi, my Lord, and my teacher. This is my Jesus. He says, Jesus, if it's you, if it's really you, then call me out on the water. Tell me to come to you on the water. Isn't that an fa- amazing statement? I mean, it's just a quick movement. They've never seen this before. Peter says, I want in. I, you know, I, this, can I, I mean, it's almost childlike, is it not? Faith is kind of like that, isn't it? It's childlike. It, it believes and it wants in. It believes and it wants in. Peter wants into this. I want to walk on the water. Let me come out there. Let me do the impossible with you, Jesus. 
If you're my Jesus, let me do the impossible with you. And what does Jesus say? Come. Get out of the boat. Peter is, does at this moment what five minutes before he would never have asked or even imagined. Right? It wouldn't have been on his radar. It's not something he had on his prayer list. I'm going to ask Jesus about this. Jesus lets Peter walk on the water, and I believe he lets him to do it for one reason and one reason only. And not only for him, but for that group of terrified guys who stayed in the boat and didn't even get out. He, he does it for one reason, and it's to build their faith. Right? He lets them glimpse his power. He lets them share in that power. He calls them out of the boat so they all can stand and participate in this moment of a sense of who Jesus is and what Jesus is capable of. So that as he sends them out and as he continues his ministry, he's going to leave. And he leaves a ministry to his church and he says some amazing things to us as he goes. But he wants to expand their faith and impart vision to them. Jesus can do anything. Peter begins to believe if Jesus, if Jesus wills it, that even he could walk on water. And put yourself in that for a moment. Do you believe that if Jesus wills it, you can do anything? Literally anything. Including breaking laws of nature. Now, he may not will to do that very often. I think there are very specific reasons why Jesus does that at this point. He, I don't think his normal course is to break those laws. I think he can break those laws. He does break those laws. But for the most part, let's just bring it down to the mundane. That if Jesus is who he said he is, and if this is my Jesus, and if he wills it, you, you could do anything. You could lead a small group. You could teach children in Sunday school. Children! You could, you could teach English to immigrants. You could tutor children. You could, you could make a meal for someone. You could, and any number of a thousand, as you just see the store open, you might be an officer in the life of the church. You might be, who knows, if Jesus were to will it. Are you... Hungry for it, like Peter is. Anything is possible. You know, knowing God's will is a tricky thing. I'll give you that. I mean, it's uh, trying to figure out exactly what God wants me to do. If I had it written down, Robert, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. I'll tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to do X and Y and Z. But sometimes figuring that out is a little tricky. There are things that the Scripture is extremely clear on. and There are some other things that we have to walk with Him day by day to His word is a lamp unto our feet for the next step and the next step and the next step. But Peter doesn't jump out of the boat, and I like that too. Peter doesn't assume anything. He doesn't just get out. Oh, it's Jesus? You know, and out of the boat he goes. He doesn't. He he asks Jesus, can I do this? Right? He seeks Jesus' will. He, He wants to do what Jesus says to do. 
He asks, he seeks, he knocks. You remember Jonathan? We just finished a series in First and Second Samuel. And Jonathan in First Samuel 14, Saul's son. And Israel's in a tight spot. And they're over and against the Philistines. And they're on one side. And the Philistines are on the other side of this valley. And Jonathan is trying to figure out what they're going to do. Saul's trying to figure out what they're going to do. And Jonathan has this harebrained scheme. It really was a harebrained scheme. All right, here's what we'll do. We'll go across. If they call us up, we'll do this. They don't. You know, let's just. But he, he says this amazing thing. It's here in your bulletin under the first point. He says, <clears throat> it may be that the Lord will work for us. And I like the maybe. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or few, right? God can do anything. Well, they don't assume he's going to do this, but they think that he might do this. It may be that the Lord will work for us. And so what do they do? They go and they test the waters, right? They get out of the boat and they cross the valley and they check out the circumstance. And lo and behold, the Lord does work for them. And he achieves an amazing, miraculous victory in the life of Israel that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't gone out there and tested it. Just like Peter never would have walked on water if he didn't put his foot over the gunwale or whatever it is and step on the water and go. Vision is to see the possibilities. Faith believes that God can do anything. He might use us. Peter saw a possibility that others did not. So let me just point out quickly three aspects of vision that I see in this passage that we need, I think, to get a hold of, that we need to have spiritual vision. right? Because we're concerned not about just the things that are seen, but we're concerned about the things that are unseen. We're not just concerned about the kingdom of the world around us. We're concerned about an unseen kingdom, the kingdom of God, which is advancing day by day. We need vision to see, Spirit, the things that are not seen. We need vision to see a kingdom coming that the world can't see coming. We need vision to see a Lord who lives and reigns and rules that is invisible to the naked eye. We need vision. We need faith. And so three things that see here is, number one, I think his vision is to see possibilities. Right? Vision isn't about seeing just what is. Because you can look at what is right now, and what is is, well, it's what it is. But vision is about seeing what could be. But vision is about seeing possibilities. If, if God were in it, then what? Right? If Jesus were in it, if this is my Jesus, then what? What's possible? What might he will me to do? So so it's the ability to imagine a possible future. It is a sanctified dreaming. If God were in it, if God were to will it, what is God doing? It asks those questions. What is God doing? What does God want to do? What does God want to do through me? What does God want to do through my church? It's not a perfect science. I grant you that. We walk by faith and not by sight. I don't have a formula. I don't have the playbook. Stepping out in faith because it just may be that the Lord will work for us. So vision is to see the possibilities, but vision is also to believe in the power of God. Because to see the possibilities has everything to do. You will not, in fact, see all the possibilities if we don't see the power of God in in, in that equation. You could have looked at that boat full of guys and walking on the water was out of the question until you saw the power of Jesus. Okay, now when you factor in the power of Jesus walking on the water, well, now the, 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 the window's wide open. 
Now what's possible? You know, to believe in the power of God. Jesus had power not only to walk on the water himself, but Jesus had the power to enable Peter to walk with him. And Peter believed that Jesus could uphold and empower him to do impossible things. Right? Impossible things. Peter knew that he could not walk on water. Which is why it was smart to ask. But he also knew that if Jesus willed that he could walk on water. He wanted to walk on water. He wanted to get out of the boat. He wanted to get involved in this thing. Right? Jonathan knew that he could not overcome the Philistine army with two guys. But as he said, the Lord can achieve this thing with, with many or with few. God can do anything. If God were in it. So Jonathan believed in God's power and his ability to overcome. He knew it wasn't in himself. He knew it wasn't in him and the two guys. He knew it wasn't. But the third thing is not only to see the possibilities and to believe in the power of God. But I believe you don't have vision until you have what it takes to get out of the boat. Right? Because you can see the truth of it. You can see the possibilities. You can see Jesus has the powers. But if you stay in the boat, you still have no vision. You really haven't believed it. I believe it's a lot like becoming a Christian and a lot that has to do with the Christian faith. You can see who Jesus is and, and believe and even believe that he is who he says he is and that he did what he said that he did on the cross. You can see and believe that. But until you entrust your life to Christ, until you bow the knee to Jesus as Lord and King and, and entrust yourself to him, it's not saving. You can see and believe all day long. Until you give yourself to Christ. Right? And so we can see the possibilities. We can believe in the power of God, but we've got to get out. We've got to take risks. We've got to get out of the boat, walk on water. We've got to cross that valley toward the Philistine army and see what the Lord may do. Verse 24, we're told the wind was against them. The waves were rough, and it was beating the boat back. And So you've got to believe that for Peter, getting out of the boat was a bit risky. Right, I, I've I've been out on the lake in a little boat. And I don't I don't even like it when I'm in the boat. But getting out of the boat, the wind and the waves and the thing, it was risky for Peter to step out of the boat. He literally took a miraculous strides on the water, one small step for mankind. Right, because we can see the power of Christ revealed in this moment. And it's recorded for us so that we can learn to see the power of Christ's potential in every moment. In this moment in your life, in this moment in the life of our church. Jonathan took one friend and he moved on the enemy. And God worked. You know, Jesus has vision for his church. He, he has a powerful vision for the purpose and the future of his church. Do you know that? He spoke about it on many occasions. Speaking about his church, he said things like, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are going to fall before me. I'm going to take the gates of hell. Or he's speaking of us. We're his church that he's building. The gates of hell falling before him, but falling before us as he establishes and does what only he can do. He said things like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, 
you'll do greater works than these. Right? Isn't that an amazing statement? He says, you know, he's leaving, and, he, and this is all in a discussion. This, that verse right there, John 14, it's under number 2 in your bulletin, if you haven't found it. It's part of his little discourse in the upper room as he's telling his disciples, basically, I'm leaving. And then he teaches them about the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you need to understand, you've been walking with me. You saw me calm the wind and the waves. You saw me walk in the water. You saw me feed the 5,000. You saw me heal the lame and the blind and the sick. You saw me... You saw all these things, and he says, now you guys, I'm leaving, and the Holy Spirit is coming, and here's the deal. For those who believe, you guys are going to do even greater things are going to happen. I'm going to build my church, and what is he saying? I'm going to build my church through you. Great things will keep happening, not because you're great. But he says, I'm going to come to you in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to keep building my church, and I'm going to keep doing great things. I'm going to do them through you. If you'll get out of the boat. Jesus has vision. He intends to accomplish great things. And so, let me take my last five minutes and just tell you some things that we believe that God is doing, some steps that we have taken, some vision for HPC. But I want to start, there's a story that's told about the pilgrims. I I gave my little qualification. I read this on the internet, so it's true, right? So I'll just tell you this. I read this somewhere, but I have not independently verified it. So, but the story is told of the pilgrims coming to the, the country. And you know the pilgrims. I mean, their story is, is inspiring. Why? Because they wanted a future. They had vision for that future. They decided that they were going to, a bunch of them, get in a boat, cross an ocean that only a few people have ever crossed before. And we're going to cross the ocean in a boat with a sail made of wood. And we're going to cross the ocean and we're going to establish in the wilderness of a new country a new nation, a new community. And so they brave all this stuff. They get this little crew together. I forget how many there were. There were like 150 or 100 or you guys know probably better than me. And they all get in a boat and they cross the ocean and they establish a community. In the first year, they establish a settlement. But in that first year, half of them died. And so you got half of them left. In the first year, though, they established the community. They built their houses. They survived the first winter. They go into the second. In the second year, they elected a government. They established a leadership to take them into the future, to govern the settlement and move them forward. In the third year, the town government began to make plans, and they decided, the established leadership decided, they're going to build a road five miles west into the wilderness. In the fourth year, The community decided to impeach their leadership and drive them out of office because they're wasting public funds building a road into the middle of nowhere. Five miles into the United States. Who was right? I mean, I have sympathy for both of them. But they saw something. The future was down that road. You know, any, any expansion was going to be down that road. New construction was going to be down that road. You know, any trade was going to be down that road. You know, they're building, the road was the future. It was a road into the future. I know it was into the wilderness, but they had vision for this country. They had vision for something bigger than that 40 or 50 little people huddled on the coast. So they built a road into the wilderness, and the people couldn't see it. Like you're wasting our money. I say all that because there are some ways that your leadership is in the process of building a road into the wilderness 
five miles west. The session has approved a, uh, a building committee, appointed a building committee, and they've been meeting and working on a new site plan for the property out on Hickson Pike. It's a property that we own outright. We don't owe any money on it. We own this building outright. There's some money sitting in the building fund. We sold a strip of land a few years ago, uh, two or three years ago, that put some money in there. It's designated money. It went into the building. It came from the sale of the property. It went into the building fund, and it sits there for the purpose of advancing our work and development of that property in the future. They want to make the property more usable. There are a few things we could do out there that would make it immediately usable. We know that for some long-term ministry, and that's what we say, we've, I'm getting ahead of myself, we, we want to build bathrooms out there. We built a pavilion, and we roughed in restrooms. We never put them in, so we're going to build bathrooms. There's no storage out there, so if you want to have a meeting, we have to bring chairs out or bring a sound system out or to put all the grills in a pickup truck and drive them over there and set them up, and then when we're done, in the end of the evening, there's some poor group of guys who's got to put them back in a pickup truck, drive them back over here, collect the chairs and do all that. So we would like to put some storage on the property where we can store stuff there to make the property usable without all of that work. Bathrooms, so we don't have to rent port-a-johns that only a few of you will go in when we do anyway, <clears throat> that make it usable, to put a field in that people feel confident running on, that they're not going to break their ankle or their children, uh, you know, to put in a real field, professionally leveled, so that we can, can use the property, a volleyball court, for some of us from the men's retreat, we always wanted one of those, so, you know, we have to balance investing in ourselves and investing in infrastructure for ministry with actually developing new ministry, and we believe that we're doing both of those. We've been investing here. Our, our philosophy the last two couple of years has been investing here so that it would put us in a position to do stuff there. And we have been investing here. We started using some projection, and we started, you know, updating some things here. We, you know, we put in one projector. We intend to put in a second one. And some of you are thinking, why? But there are about 20% of you thinking, thank goodness, because there are about 20% who can't see the screen. Which is why most churches have two screens, so that you can see them both. You know, we want to, there are some things we still want to do and to develop here to make this most usable for everyone as we grow. Uh, and to create some infrastructure here and begin to create infrastructure there. You know, short of building a multi-million dollar building, there are things we can do on that property that would make it more usable, that will get us over there and put us in a position, a beachhead, to begin to do ministry in that community. Right, the leadership believes it's time to invest in that property because it believes a number of things. We believe that God gave us that property and that it's part of our future. I don't know exactly what part of our future. And people push me on that. And then they're, you know, you don't know. You don't know exactly what God's going to do out there. I'm, I'm really not. I, it could be uh, a church plant. It's one of those things that we could do. Get something small built out there and plant a church. Second thing we could do is multi-site. A lot of folks are doing it that way. It's a viable way to do ministry is open a second site out there where we are a multi-campus church and it's part of us under the same leadership. The third thing we could do is it could be the first step to move out there. You know, we could always do that. There are a number of things we can do and I believe that God's going to do one of them. I'm not certain which one. But Stonewall Farms is a growing community. There are two to three hundred houses that will literally be built on the other two sides of our property over the next two to three years. You know, Stonewall Farms already has, I don't forget, three to 500 units. They're building just at the end of our property another 100 to 200 units. And the other side for that sale, strip sale that we talked about a few weeks ago, they're going to build another 
100 units. So literally growing around us is a community of somewhere between 500 and 1,000 houses. It's literally growing over the next several years. And we believe that it's time to take what little money we have without overextending ourselves, borrowing any money, raising any money, take the little money we have and invest it in that property and make it that much more usable. One step, beachhead into a community where we can begin to do ministry there. If it's part of our future, then part of the church is in that community. And so we want to take that money and invest it incrementally over on that property. It's a road literally into the wilderness, so to speak. But it's a beachhead for ministry, for outreach. So we're asking you to pray with us, to pray for the church, to pray for the future, and to dream with us. God, what do you want to do on that property? And if he wants us to get out of the boat and do something, I'm, I'm all for it, but I, we're asking, Jesus, if, that's, if it's you, if you're in this, what do you want us to do? Where do we go from here? We're not only expanding ministry out there, and we're expanding ministry here. You've seen it with our ESL, English classes, and our tutoring ministry, and the block party over the last number of years. We're expanding our our, our diaconal and mercy ministry in a number of other ways. Let me just close with this thought. How about you? As a church, we're dreaming. Putting our toes in the water. We're trying to get out of the boat and see what God wants to do. But how about you? Where does God have you personally and spiritually? What are your spiritual dreams and aspirations? That if God were in it, if you had a glimpse of his power, and yes, indeed, it was your Jesus coming to you, holding out his hand and saying, come. (laughs) Get out of the boat. Walk with me. Walk with me into the impossible. Walk with me into the future, into the building of my church, and let's see the gates of hell fall. I don't don't know, but I encourage each one of you to dream your dreams, to dream and pray for your church. Are you tired of sitting in the boat? (laughs) You see the possibilities? Are you ready to test the waters? Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the way that you love us. And that you have not left us alone, but you have poured out your spirit on your people. You have come to us. You have not left us as orphans. You walk with us day by day. Our Jesus, the Jesus. The son of the living God who walks on water. Who does the impossible, who builds his church. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we long to get involved. We long to reach out and walk with you. We long to see your kingdom built and we long to be a part of it. Will you indeed renew and refresh us in the life of your spirit? Open our eyes that we may see. Give us faith to believe in what you can and will do. By all means, Father, help us get out of the boat. For we ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.